Talk Radio 96.7. And the Ozone Show, paying tribute to the United States Armed Services on this Veterans Day. This is the Army's theme. The Ozone Tonight, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and by Going 406. All right, the legendary Clarkster came up with these themes, and boy, did he do a good job. We are so appreciative of that. Well, I wanted to tell you a quick story on Veterans Day. Uh, there was a young man who was born in Honduras, moved to Tampa. His father died when he was 13, and uh, he moved there with his mom and his three sisters, and she didn't speak English. Well, his birthday was December 8th, and so on December 7th, 1941, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, and suddenly the country was at war. Well, he wanted to go down and join the Navy, but his mother wouldn't allow it, and he wasn't old enough to sign for himself, so she denied him that. Well, the next year on his birthday, December 8th, 1942, he was old enough to sign for himself. He walked off his job quit high school, and went down and joined the United States Navy. He went on to command a landing craft in seven invasions in the Pacific, and the guy I'm talking about was my dad, my late father, served in World War II, and he, like millions of others, we take your hat off. I would take our hat off to you. For everyone that ever put the uniform on, we appreciate the freedoms that you have provided us. Coach Joe. I agree, Ronnie. Thanks out there to excuse me, all the veterans uh, who are listening. And uh, and if you're listening and you know a veteran, make sure to thank them today. Uh, we obviously are forever grateful for the service that's uh, given us the opportunity to be free and to have a good time and enjoy the life that America gives us. And uh, I'm sure you're very proud of your father, and we're all proud of his service as well. One of the most poignant things I think I've ever heard about that is a Vietnam veteran said, Freedom is decidedly sweeter to those who have defended it than it is to those who were defended. And I think he's exactly right. Well, we got a lot of football coming up right here on WLKF and right down the dial on WONN. Uh, first off, the Florida Gators take on the Samford Bulldogs in Gainesville. The kickoff is at noon, 9 a.m. pregame. And, of course, that's on WONN, 107.1 FM and, of course, 1230 a.m. Then at 3.30, Miami travels to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. 3.30 kickoff, 1.30 pregame. And, of course, that will be right here on WLKF 96.7 and 14.30 a.m. Then Sunday, the Bucks will travel to Washington. I think I told you last week they were going to travel <laughs> last week. They decided they were going to take a week off. So they are union, so they took last week <laughs> off. I was wrong. And the Bucks are going to travel to Washington, and it's a 1 p.m. kickoff, noon pregame. And you can hear that right here on WLKF 96.7 and 1430 a.m. A lot going on in college football, Coach Joe. Um, Florida Gators made some big changes, and um, we were hoping to have G. Allen Taylor with us from The Athletic. And the poor guy, his wife is having a baby, and she chose to start having that baby right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we probably won't be able to have him tonight. Uh, been in communication with him a little bit earlier today, and he's. Uh, they weren't expecting to have the child today. In fact, I think they were planning on uh, inducing next week, 
But uh, the babies, they have their own timetables. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we're not sure if she's uh, gone into labor or not. Uh, but obviously you can count on us for all the pre- and postnatal activities there here you live go. in the ozone. But <laughs> Maybe they'll name it Ocean Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? Uh, ozone Taylor. Uh, we're going to try to – we're reaching out to uh, Giao and see if he's available because the Athletic broke the story on Sunday evening – uh, which uh, actually, Ronnie, you broke it, but you didn't publish it. You just told <laughs> you told me, and you told the counselor. But it was shortly after that that the Athletic uh, broke the story. Uh, G. Allen Taylor's colleague Bruce Feldman that uh, Dan Mullen had fired Todd Grantham and John Hevesy. Now, Todd Grantham is the defensive coordinator for the Gators, or was, and uh, John Hevesy is the uh, offensive line coach for the Gators. And if you uh, look at what the Gators' problems are. They are basically that they've stopped blocking and tackling. So I suppose these <laughs> were the two coaches most responsible for that. Uh, uh, and obviously in any level of football, but most importantly in, in, in this level of football, with the Gators are playing great teams week after week, you have to block and tackle. I mean, football at its essence, with all the X's and O's and everything else, is a game of blocking and tackling. And they have they've slowed down doing it before. But they flat out stopped doing it at South Carolina in a game where they just didn't show up. Oh, they didn't. That, that was awful. You know, it was just like the Georgia game. You had one short stretch where they were suddenly out of the game in the first half. They they had actually led seven to three. Then they get down ten to seven, and they were through for the evening. Right. Yeah. But at least in that game, uh, unlike the LSU game and the South Carolina game, at least in the Georgia game. Uh, the defense was holding up for the most part, and the Gators uh, imploded because of uh, turnovers uh, and and key mistakes by their young quarterback in critical situations. Then, though, after after they imploded at the end of the first half, you could see that the air had gone out of the balloon, and it seemed to carry over into this week. Now, there has been some talk that they were dealing with a flu bug, but uh, you mentioned FSU Miami earlier. These are two teams that have struggled and FSU had a flu bug as well, but I watched their game prior to watching uh, the Gators in South Carolina, and they battled a very good NC State team right down to the end before you know they succumbed by 28 to 14. But that was a game where they hung in tough, and they never let uh, NC State have anything easy, and they battled. and And they're on the rise right now, along with Miami. It's going to be an interesting game Saturday afternoon between those two teams. And the Gators are in free fall right now. Yeah, so, uh, exactly. I, I, uh, this is a big problem. This, this is only the beginning of the changes they're going to need to make. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. Hopefully we'll have G. Allen Taylor with us. If not, we'll have you. The number is 682-1430. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Hey there, this is James Bates, linebacker for the 1996 national champion Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe. In the ozone. Hey, the ozone tonight brought to you by Going 406. Turning scrap metal, going 406, they let you swing for the fence. And then turning scrap metal into cash, that would be allied scrap processors. Tonight, the ozone pays tribute to the United States Armed Services. This, of course, is the theme for the U.S. Navy. Go, middies. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, the true story here, when you guys weren't here a couple of weeks ago, uh, I, 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 I called them batting 406 by accident when I was thanking <laughs> our sponsor. So, going 406. Yeah. Uh, great place, too. All right. Uh, mea culpa on me, Ronnie. Well, Coach Joe, you know, here, here's one of the things with 
with Dan Mullen, it, you know, it seems to me like this is one of those save your own hide type deals that probably should have been done last year and it wasn't done. And you know, he's been very loyal to his assistants and you can understand that. I mean, Hevesy, I think, had been with him like 20 years, and he brought both of them with him from Mississippi State. And, of course, we brought our athletic director over from Mississippi State, and he hired Dan Mullen. That's Scott Strickland. But, you know, here's my problem with it. You're going to have – it's going to be a mix-up. You're going to have different people calling plays, and for it to be positive, it could happen. But to me, that's unlikely. To me, he's going to have to win – at least he's going to have to win all three of these remaining three games in order to remain the coach because you're going to have a transition recruiting class whether you keep him or whether he's let go. And that's going to set you back two years. And you don't really have any playmakers on the team right now. So, you know, you don't have any hope coming. Now, you do have the transfer portal, and possibly you could get some guys there. But, all right, say you're trying to hire a defensive coordinator. If you're at some other school, the only way they're going to get you to come to Florida knowing that he's in a precarious situation is if they say, all right, Joe, we're going to give you a three-year guaranteed contract, that's the only way you're going to come to Florida. You know, I've seen some very great names thrown out there, but whether or not you can get them is a different deal. Your opinion. You keep Mullen or do you oh. – is it predicated on what he does in these next three games? Or I, I think the fact that – these moves were made. Uh, they, they're Dan Mullen's decision, so to speak, to make these moves with respect to, to uh, the uh, coordinators and coaches that that he's worked with a long time and likes. Even though it's his decision, it's definitely a decision that he knew he had to make because it's the only way he would remain as the head coach. Things had gotten that bad that fast. Uh, what the big issue right now is that the, the signing day, I believe, is around December 15th, give or take a day or two. Uh, so, in other words, we're coming up on it in a few weeks. And, by the way, uh, we'll definitely get Mike Hugan and the uh, On3.com crew back in here for a good uh, recruiting preview in advance of that, I promise, because uh, they do a great job with that. And currently, the Gators, partly because of uncertainty with uh, Todd Grantham, had fallen all the way back to 22nd or 23rd in the rankings, which – not only were we behind the normal powers in the SEC, we had fallen behind both Kentucky and, Ronnie, South Carolina in the recruiting rankings. Now that's a kind of thing that's a, a harbinger of future huge problems. Now, I've always felt uh, I'm, I'm always the, the last guy to give up my support of the coach. In other words, by the time I say I think he should go. He's probably already been fired because <laughs> I, I believe as a fan of the Gators, as a Gator myself, that you, you stick with the coach all the way to the end. You certainly don't root for him to fail in order to, to get him out right. the door. But that whether to replace him or not, which is the question that is has come up now because of what's going on, I always look at this. And if you look at the history, recent history, the modern history of Gator coaching changes, you either had them getting in trouble like Charlie Pell or Galen Hall, or uh, they left on their own like Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer, or they, then uh, this is what we're looking with, at with Mullen, the program had dropped a tier. In other words, uh, uh, since Steve Spurrier began coaching, 
the Gators have been in the upper tier of, of the college football teams. In other words, year after year, with occasional uh, exceptions, they're going to be in contenders to win the division, to win the SEC, to win the national title if they have all the right pieces in place. Uh, and Coach Spurrier and Coach Meyer were successful in doing that. Now, the other coaches who, who weren't as successful, whether it be Ron Zook or Will Muschamp, at the very least they were good accumulators of talent, yes. but they weren't good at being the head coach. They, they could coach players, but they couldn't be the head coach, which is the guy in charge of everything, and, and that's its own skill. And then uh, the pro- so what happened with both of those guys is uh, you could see it with Zook is, is the, the Gators had started to lose games that they're not really supposed to lose. And Mississippi State, Mississippi right State. been shut out at home at homecoming yes. by Maine. Yeah, <laughs> a very bad Mississippi State team losing that game. That's did, that did Ron Zook in, and, and he, that was an example of the program had, had fallen below a certain level, and, and, it, and the only way to get it to go back up was to replace him. And that happened with Muschamp, too, although he was given more time. But the, yeah. the bottom really fell out with him. And the problem is when they replaced him with McIlwain, he, he, um, he took Muschamp's talent, and, which was good talent, was able to win with it because he had a better offensive mind than, than Muschamp did. But he wasn't any good at replacing that talent or holding a program together or running a big-time program. He wasn't the right fit for that. He was, he's not although, good in that now, He, in he that did spotlight. bring in Kyle Trask, Kadarius Toney. And Pitts, so right? He, he did bring in some talent. <laughs> yeah, there was some, there was some good offensive talent. So at least, in other words, he he's a good head coach, unlike Muschamp or Zook. Uh, but McElwain's not a good head coach to big program. He, yeah. he couldn't yeah. handle that. And the Gators had had done what they had fallen a level. We saw we all saw that last Georgia game in 2017, where the Gators weren't competitive at all, and that was that was a team that had. It's deteriorated steadily under under McIlwain because you're right. But but just like Muschamp and just like Zook, they brought in talent. So when Dan Mullen got here, the Gators were still were able to take the talent that was there and win with it because Dan Mullen's a very good X's and O's coach. He's a solid SEC level head coach who knew how to win, especially when he had the talent. But here's the big weakness in Dan Mullen is he's no good at recruiting. Exactly. And, you know, I don't know if Galen Hall was a great recruiter. I do know that Bo Bear was the recruiting coordinator. And Bo was a guy that could still sell stethoscopes to tree surgeons. You know, he, he knew everybody in the state. He knew all of the coaches. He was well-respected. And he was the guy behind the scenes. And we also had Betty Ling, who was the recruiting secretary up there. And she was magnificent. And that team brought in one, maybe one of the greatest classes ever at the University of Florida, which was Emmett Smith's class. You know, I think it was 86 oh, that it, Emmett's class was Yeah, yeah, that was his, signed. For, that was, uh, his first season. And he, they would go on to win the SEC for Steve Spurrier later. Well, exactly. And, and we, when we talked to uh, Coach Spurrier a couple of months ago, he talked about the great talent that he inherited. So Galen Hall was a terrific recruiter. The biggest problem that Galen Hall had in the late 80s was the uh, sanctions from, from the Charlie Pell days had really hampered the Gators, and they had a couple of down years as a result of the shortage of scholarships. Right. And then he got in trouble with the NCAA over something very, very, very middling at best. And, he and was that alleged was, to have given $100 to Jarvis, Jarvis Williams, Williams to yeah. keep him out of jail because he hadn't paid a child support payment. Right. And he said he never did it, you know, whether he did or not. It doesn't matter at this point, but 
Yeah, exactly. And but for what at the time and the climate at, at that time, that was enough to to get him yeah. to, to get him fired. And then uh, uh, at the time, it was unclear who would be the ultimate replacement. Gary Darnell finished the season as the Gators' head coach, but uh, without any notable achievement. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, but but. Uh, you know that then there was some talk: Is Spurrier going to be the coach? Should he be the coach? But but I think, uh, like like with Urban Meyer after that, there was an idea in mind. We have somebody. We have a number one target. Somebody we can get. Somebody who's ready for this moment. You see, with, with replacing Dan Mullen, I know people scoff at, at at the idea of this, but do we have somebody who who will do what he can't do, and not just somebody yeah. we think has a future potential? Like maybe a Mel Tucker or somebody like that, but who you know Dan Mullen was a proven winner in the SEC. Do we have somebody who's a proven winner? You know, because Jimbo Fisher's not going to come here, Lane Kiffin's not going to come here. So you know who's who's out there who can be the proven winner, who's instant credibility, who's going to draw recruits right away and allow the Gators to basically uh, transition as quickly as possible. Yeah, that that's true. And it, it, if you rank the Florida job. You know, we're in one of the most talent-rich states in the country for high school football talent. But just like Georgia, or California, Ohio, any place you go, you're not the only one that knows that talent is here and they're all coming down here and they're taking it away. And at one time, Florida owned the state in recruiting, and they've done a very poor job of recruiting when Florida State and Miami have been down. And, you know, you mentioned – about when Steve Spurrier was hired, and there were there was some people that didn't want him hired, and some that did, and I don't know if it's a true story. I've been told it was, and told it wasn't. Bill Arnsbarger was the athletic director at that time, and he wanted Mike Archer, a guy he had been familiar with, because Arnsbarger had come from LSU, and he knew Archer and was very familiar with him. But Archer had kind of had a down year in '89. And had he had a better year, there's no telling he could have been the Florida head coach because that's who Arnst Barger wanted. Now, it makes a good story, and I, I've been told it did happen and it didn't happen, that Ben Hill Griffin went to Arnst Barger and said, you know, Bill, he said, we got to have Steve Spurrier as our coach. We don't have to have you as the athletic director. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it sure makes a great story. <laughs> I, I think for our purposes, we're going to say that's true. It has to be. It's too good a story not to be true. It is. <laughs> Wasn't Galen Hall's last win uh, for the Gators over LSU? Arden Krzyzewski kicked a field goal to beat him. I was there. In Baton Rouge. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think we beat him 16-14. Yeah, last second field goal. Hey, congratulations. You're out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, you know, we find out on the way home that they'd hired or they'd fired Galen Hall. I was like, oh, no, because it seemed like he had things going in the right direction. Again, and uh, you know he did a great job in '84 and '85 with the Gators and all that talent that they had on those teams. Well, they were loaded with talent. One thing uh, Charlie Pell did, legally or illegally, is he brought in amazing talent. But he was not a great game day coach. No, and, he wasn't, uh, uh, and that cost the the Gators. You know, they had continued the, the tradition back then of agonizingly close losses in key moments. Uh, yeah, the, the ten to nine loss to. Georgia in 1983 was particularly gut wrenching, <laughs> but uh, but they always kept falling short. But with Galen Hall, the Gators immediately because you know I was in college back then. The Gators immediately loosened up, and all of a sudden they the big games didn't scare them. They looked forward to them, and all this impossible juggernaut schedule that they had year after year suddenly became very possible. 
and it was fun to watch. Yeah, it really was. That was a great team in 84. Oh, <laughs> man, they were awesome. They were awesome. They're just filled with NFL talent. When Florida played Auburn, I think it was in 85 out there, there was something like 48 future NFL players on that those two rosters. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot on two teams. I think uh, the offensive skill positions in 84 had four first-round draft picks. You had uh, Lorenzo Hampton. You had Ricky Nateel. You had Neil Anderson. Oh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm forgetting somebody. John L. Williams. Uh, John L. Williams was around. Was he a first round pick too? I think he was. Yeah, and then Lomas Brown was blocking yeah, on that team. Brown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's all uh, great NFL talent, and they all had uh, pretty decent careers. They did. Well, we're going to take a break. When we come back, give us a call six eight two fourteen thirty. That's six eight two fourteen thirty. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio ninety six point seven WLKF. The Ozone, on this Veterans Day, giving honor and tribute to the United States Armed Services. This, of course, is the theme of the United States Air Force. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors and Going 406. Well, we want to again thank our veterans on this wonderful Veterans Day for all they've done for this country and we want to thank our next guest <laughs> for all he's done in the face of a very big day here in with his family uh direct from the hospital i guess uh where uh, hopefully your wife is doing just fine what's the update g allen taylor from the athletic joining us here in the ozone we we are so happy you, you could be free for a few minutes uh but how, how's it going well, uh, this may sound like a backhanded compliment, but I enjoy talking with you guys more than I enjoy sitting in a uh, in a hotel <laughs> in a hospital. So you got that going for you. Uh, we're doing well, man. The, the baby was due, uh, I guess is due, November 20th, but I, I do not think that we're going to make it <laughs> more than about a day. Now I'm just trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to make the, the uh, Sanford game on Saturday, depending on when the little attack arrives. <laughs> well, what are we expecting? A little boy, a little girl? Do we have a name? Yeah. This will be our second, and it'll be a boy. We've got a 22-month-old girl, and uh, we have not settled on a name yet. We've got a, I tell you what, we, you, know, you know how, like, uh, you know, some years you got 10 or 12 teams that could win the NCAA basketball tournament? <laughs> right now we've got about 10 or 12 names that, that could I could be there on the, at the end. Well, well, we can settle it. Ozone Taylor. How about that? You're on the Ozone <laughs> with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. <laughs> that would be memorable. <laughs> would be awesome. Well, you know, we thought we were going to break break news tonight with with, uh, with a live birth. That's something that that would be a first on the show. Well, keep us posted on that. In the meantime, while while we got you on the phone, we've been talking about uh, the big changes that first uh, broken the story by The Athletic, you and Bruce Feldman, uh, with Dan Mullen replacing Todd Grantham and John Hevesy. Uh, this was his idea or was his idea after he was told he better do it? I think he had planned on uh, making those changes, and I don't think he had planned on making them at the same time. I, I think with Hevesy, it was a situation really going back to to when all the top offensive linemen in Florida committed elsewhere, and, and that had actually been in the works for you know several weeks or several months. I think the deal with Grantham uh, became apparent probably after the LSU game. Um, 
just the way that a team that hadn't run the ball all year just absolutely carved up uh, Florida in that game. Uh, put, definitely put Grantham on the on the off season change radar. And then when South Carolina did the same thing uh, a few weeks later, um, you know everything got expedited, and it makes sense. I mean, you already had two top 100 defensive players decommit right after the LSU game when it became apparent that the Grantham was was certainly in, in trouble. And then obviously people are talking and then their handlers and, and parents and other schools are, are telling those guys, look, you don't even know who your coach is going to be next year. You don't know what kind of system you're going to be running. And so, you know, once that happened, I'm not sure what impetus Mullen had uh, to drag this out until early December. So, you know, by making a move now and, and you know, probably trying to have somebody named, uh, you know, maybe right after the FSU game, that at least gives you a couple of weeks before the early signing period to, uh, you know, give give recruits some sort of firm idea of, of what the next defensive co- coordinator will look like. I, I think it's probably too late to really help the O-line recruiting this cycle anyway. So, um, you know, from that standpoint, whenever he makes that decision is is probably not going to impact their recruiting class. Well, you know, I want to ask you, since, you know, you cover them on a daily basis, and we we follow them, obviously, but we're not there. And, and all I can do is look at, at this, this number here and, and just ask you what happened. Uh, after the first quarter of the Alabama game, through the end of the Vanderbilt game, that's 15 quarters. The defense gave up a total of 44 points. I mean, about half of those were special teams or offensive errors that led to short fields. 44 points in 15 quarters. Since then, in the 12 quarters since then, they've given up 123 points. I, you know, what, what happened? How did it go so bad so fast? Tennessee and, and uh, Alabama and Kentucky are good offenses. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that hit them at a time when they weren't playing the quote-unquote, you know, most high-scoring offenses on the schedule. Um, uh, I, I think with LSU, you had a team that, uh, talking about Florida, that just showed up not really ready to play, not really um, not really energized. Uh, Why not? Probably speak. <laughs> I know, that's, that's, that's the question, right? I, I think after they blew it last year against LSU, they just assumed, well, it can't happen two years in a row, and you know, this team's not uh, not good. I think all the injuries that LSU had had everybody thinking that they were just, um, you know, dead in the water, and obviously that wasn't the case uh, based on what LSU did against them that day and then also even against Alabama last week. But um, the way it was explained to me is they didn't fear LSU's running game, and even when LSU got stuff clicking, there was still a fear that, hey, they can beat us over the top, but the strength of Florida's defense should be it's front six, and in some cases front seven. And they always thought they had figured out what the last error was, but each new 30-yard run brought a new error to the point where pretty much everybody on that defense, at least on the defensive front, had one or two catastrophic errors that just let LSU run the ball down their throats, and the safeties can't fit it because – you know, the running backs had really a whole open field to choose from once they got to the second level at times. So, uh, you know, that's that's the thing to me. But I know it's frustrating as a fan to watch, and even I'm sure it's frustrating for people on the staff to sit there and say, well, at some point, maybe you put eight guys in the box and just make, 
you know, Max Shotgun throw one thirty yards downfield because watching uh, watching that running back go off was was really uh, getting tiresome, right? But then then you, you compare that to what happened in South Carolina, and it's simply guys weren't excited, didn't show up, might have thought they were playing fast and playing hard, but they weren't, and. You know, n- nobody in that program that I've talked to this last week has any sort of excuse for that game. It's just, just uh, embarrassing uh, for what happened, and and that that obviously gave Mullen what you know any any chance that he was going to wait till December to make a move after the way they played. You might as well go ahead and do it now, or else you're, you're possibly looking at you know a five and seven finish <laughs> the way they played against South Carolina. So. Um, Better to give you chance. You came a chance to win a couple games here just in uh, November. Exactly, and that—that's what I was going to ask you. This is Ronnie Ocean, Allen. Um, if he goes one and two, can he survive the year? If he goes three and zero, oh, does he survive the year? I think he is. Mullen is is safe unless something uh, like like South Carolina happens again. You know, if. Uh, even if he's one and two, well, I think that would that would qualify as being like South Carolina because you know if you lose at home at FSU um, that last week, and if you maybe lose at Missouri, considering that Missouri's just trying to get bowl eligible, that might force Strickland to think that uh, that this thing is is too too far down to be rectified. I do know that Scott is a big picture guy. He really thinks Mullen did a great job for the first, you know. 30-something games that he was here, and he doesn't want to make a decision based on one or two games. But he also, you know, getting in his wildest streams, expect this team to be uh, four and five. And, and the scenario you're describing, you know, would, would leave them five and seven. And that's not going to a ball game this year is is, is tough to process. I thought this was a 9-3 team going into the season. Even after they lost to Georgia, I said, "Well, that's eight and four because they really ought to win out in uh, in November." And then, obviously, what happened in South Carolina was just was just brutal. I mean, you, again, you can't dress it up uh, in any other way. So, if another one of those kind of things happened, you know, Scott's got to have uh, that thought about whether you bring back in. I, but you know, I'm of, I'm of the mindset that they probably do win out, and at seven and five. You know, going to a bowl game, not a very good one, but going to a bowl game, um, you know, that's that's at least a little bit of momentum going into next year, although, again, <laughs> not as much as right. you had. Well, well, they let actually me, got off the bus in Columbia and cared. Let, let me ask you this. Do you have any candidates in mind for defensive coordinator or potential offensive line coaches you can share with us? Uh, when After the LSU game, I, you know, reached out to some people and, and – both through my colleagues and, and, and people I know. And what I keep coming up with is, you know, guys like um, uh, the D.C. at Kentucky and uh, uh, obviously Charlie Strong is, is with the Jaguars and um, people there don't don't really think that he enjoys the pro game as much. So he might be a guy that you could go to and he'd love to come back. Um, the one that was interesting right off the bat you know, I thought it would be awkward, but, but do, you know, would he look at a guy like Muschamp based on Muschamp's 
recruiting prowess, but everybody I talked to said, I'm not sure either one of those two guys could coexist with the other. It's yeah, not comfortable. Exactly. And so what about that, Gene Chizik? You know, I don't think it would be, it, make, that, it makes sense, but th- there's a reason Gene's been out of the game for a few years too, right? Now that doesn't mean he hasn't been watching football. He hasn't been breaking down film because he has. And in fact, some coaches I've talked to would actually spend off seasons with him, you know, talking ball. But I, I think once, once you step away for, gosh, what's it been? Five, six years now and, and do TV. I, you know, I'm just not sure if, if he wants to go back and, and, you know, fly all over the country to, to talk in court, 16, 17 year old guys. And if he, and if he wants to do that, um, I'm sure he wouldn't mind being on the sidelines on Saturdays and, and coaching ball and drawing up schemes. But, you know, that recruiting lifestyle, man, is it's a big time suck. And he might be comfortable enough in studio that, <laughs> that it's just not, um, you know, appetizing, you know, me, at least not at the college level. Let me ask you this. So we only got a couple minutes left, and uh, and you have important things to take <laughs> take care of, and we certainly appreciate you, Alan Taylor, from The Athletic, being with us tonight. Uh, you wrote a real attention, uh, it got my attention, the article you Bruce Feldman wrote a couple of weeks ago, which kind of uh, predicted what's going on here. Basically, a number of anonymous coaches from the SEC East saying just how bad the Gators really were. Uh, did that develop organically uh, over time or where we should have seen this coming? Or was this something where maybe some people were piling on when things started to go bad? I think it's a little bit of both because, um, you know, the, those coaches, some had played Florida this year, some had played them in recent years and were still waiting to play them this year or, you know, uh, just just knew of them, and and that's the risk you run when you give coaches who are recruiting against Florida the ability to to you know lob things unnamed. But also, there were some quotes that didn't make it into the story that I thought might not even be defensible. So believe it or not, <laughs> there was some stuff that didn't get in there. Yikes! Because I really thought they were just yeah. At that point, you know, you just I, I'm I'm around the program, and some of that makes sense to me, and some of it didn't. So if if that makes sense, yeah, it, um, it, it does. Yeah. The, yeah, you look at uh, Georgia and Alabama just stacking up these classes, and to some degree, LSU really has been as well, to where they can they can withstand a couple of guys not panning out or in- injuries and things like that. And I think Florida, at least during the first uh, until they were eight and one last year under Mullen, had sort of maximized their talent, and uh, there wasn't a lot of margin when yeah. you got to the the second string guys. And so I think that's it finally caught up with them this year, and they're really. You know, he, he's a great developmental coach, but sometimes there's only so much development in a guy uh, that you're getting. And so they, they've got to find a way to get um, maybe not, not not just better guys in here, but a, just a bigger volume. Of players. I, I, I hear what you're saying. We're, we're going to be watching that closely over the next few weeks. And, uh, hey, good luck tonight with everything. And, and just let me end on this note uh, that uh, with the, the boy you're soon going to have, Joe is a very nice name. <laughs> uh, best of luck. We'll talk to you soon uh, as the as this situation goes on. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, read the Athletic to get really the inside story of what's going on with Gators football and all of Gator athletics, and especially G. Allen Taylor, who covers the Gators and joins us here tonight uh, from the hospital. <laughs> and uh, God bless you and your wife. And I hope everything goes well. And keep us updated. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Y'all take care. 
Yeah, you too. That's G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic joining us here in the Ozone. And we wish him well on the upcoming birth of his son. And we wish you well when we give away this $30 to the Lakeland Ale House. After the break, here in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Talk Radio 96.7. On this Veterans Day, giving honor to the United States Armed Forces. This is the theme for the United States Marine Corps. The Ozone Tonight, brought to you by Going 406, where you can swing for the fence, and by Allied Scrap Processors. They turn scrap metal into cash. All right. Well, that playoff comment, it's ironic you used that because that was Jim Mora Sr., and his son, Jim Mora Jr., was hired today by UConn as their head football coach. So that was very appropriate. The Clarkster is all over it. He knows. He knows all, sees all. Well... I know right now you're all hungry and thirsty, and we are curing hunger one person at a time here in the Ozone. So, for a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, here's what we want to know. If you haven't won in the last six months, give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Since it's Veterans Day, how many Heisman Trophy winners have come from the United States military academies? Is it one, five, two, three, or four, none. Give us a call, 682-1430. We will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House with that $30 gift certificate. And they're, of course, located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. we got somebody hungry and thirsty already. They've got 40 strategically located television sets, and they will take care of you. Coach Joe and I go out there frequently, he more than I, but i tell you what, we've had a lot of fun sitting there craning our necks to see those 40 strategically located television sets. Oh, yeah, we always have a good time there because uh, this is the best time of year to go to the Ale House. If you're a college football fan, you go uh, around noon for the beginning of the uh, of the games, and, and, you know, there's so many games on nowadays because there's so many channels, and it, you really can't follow them all unless you go to a place like the Ale House where you can have five and six games on within – easy uh, eyesight without having to strain or, or, or do anything. And when we were there, uh, we wanted to see that game where Ohio State and Nebraska, it was close, and there was a couple other close games going on, and uh, Wake Forest, North Carolina was going on. Some really great action, and we're able to follow it closely because they take good care of us there at the alehouse. They get us set up. They put the TVs and uh, on the games in the right, whatever order we, we ask, and it's just such an incredibly great atmosphere. It's a good family atmosphere. You know, if you have a, a ball team or something like that and, and you finish your tournament game or whatever, it's not unusual to everybody to have a big table with, with a big team on there. Exactly. You know, the 40 strategically located television sets, Eric scoffs at that. Every room at his house has 40 television sets. You know, he just laughs at 40. That's all you have in the whole place? See? See? All right. Here we go. If you haven't won in the last six months, the number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. And what we want to know is how many Heisman Trophy winners have come from United States military academies? That would be Army, Navy, and Air Force. Is it one or A- Five, B, three, or C, zero. 
Is it 5-3 or 0? 682-1430. Give us a call. We're waiting for you to call in and win. You'll get that $30 gift certificate to go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. And because they have drinking meal specials every night of the week, it goes a long way. Oh, it, it really does. And it's very affordable there. And a lot of times I go both on Saturday and Sunday because you get the same thing on NFL Sundays. You go for the one o'clock games, there's uh, eight or nine games on at the same time. And even with Red Zone, if you're at home, you can't follow them all closely, but you sure can at the Ale House. And you can <laughs> you can just keep track of almost every single play played on a, a Sunday afternoon in the NFL. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And we had a lot of fun with G. Allen Taylor. We really appreciate yeah. it. I mean, his wife goes uh, starts getting contractions earlier this afternoon, but he he still uh, made it made it onto the show tonight, and he made sure to to check in with us. And uh, we we don't have any update from the hospital. I don't think she's going to have the baby in the next couple minutes. <laughs> no, we'll hang around for a little while. Give us a call six eight two fourteen thirty. How many Heisman Trophy winners have come from U.S. military academies? Is it five, is it three, or is it zero? It's not zero, I'll tell you that. So you know it's either five or three. You got a 50% chance, 682-1430. Give us a call. If there's anybody else out there who has a wife in labor and they have the baby, anytime between 8 and 9 o'clock on a Thursday, you give us a call, 682-1430. There you go. There you go. It's good luck. Just give us a call right here.